everybody to an exciting episode number 13 of the Hustle Sanctuary. Today's guests are my brother, Terrence Shulman. He's an accomplished author, lawyer, social worker. He has half the damn alphabet after his last name. He's a renowned expert on theft and compulsive shoplifting, shopping, employee theft, and hoarding. He started the very first 12-step group for shoplifting addiction called Casa Kleptomaniacs and Shoplifters Anonymous. Uh, today also we have Powell Guizdala, his partner in a new venture called Unsteel.org. Powell formerly worked for Boeing uh, before leaving to pursue creating Unsteel.org. Uh, it's basically a nonprofit that allows people to log into the website and anonymously return items that they've stolen that they have a crisis of conscience over uh, with a lot less fear than walking back into the store that they stole it from. Um, we're going to get into some really interesting stuff today. Thank you for being here, and here we go. So, Terry, uh, we'll start with you really fast. Uh, tell us just briefly about um, where you're from and uh, try and let's do a synopsis here of uh, <laughs> you know, the background here, where you're from, and, and sort of how you got into um, this, this line of work that you do uh, with your day-to-day. Oh, man. Okay. I'll keep it 100, and I'll keep it real brief. Um First of all, uh, congratulations, Sam. Um, your project here is, is is quite awesome, and I'm I'm honored to be on uh, lucky number thirteen episode here with my with my main my main man Powell here. Um, Appreciate it. So you know, here I am in my living room at eight thirty Eastern time on a Thursday night on the eve of my fourteenth anniversary with my wife, who's out of town, uh, seeing a friend, and we're having a you know our little. Uh, seven-year itch times two little time in our life where we're going to get back into some therapy when she gets back home uh, and work on a few things. So one thing, uh, life is always uh, moving. And, um, you know, when you think you got it nailed down, there's always something to work on. So, but I'm, I'll tell you what, I'm learning that a lot more at age 51. So long story short, um, I'm in Detroit, Metro Detroit, and um, I've been uh, self-employed for about 13 years uh, uh, as primarily a, uh, a licensed um, social worker and addiction therapist. And uh, my specialties are, are working. I've got these, uh, I guess they call them niche uh, niche um, market uh, issues that I, that I work with. So uh, my specialty is working with people who have problems with stealing, primarily uh, shoplifting, employee theft, other forms of theft. Um, and I also work with uh, people who have problems with over shopping, over spending, and also with with hoarding. I think the <laughs> listeners are going to want to know having you know because the average person doesn't have much experience with shoplifting right. addiction. Right. So I yeah. think the listeners are going to want to know you know when Winona you know got caught, Winona Ryder uh, <laughs> got you know was all in the tabloids. Were you reaching out like furiously trying to get her into your practice? <laughs> you know that was that was actually like 1999. Uh, uh, 2000, 2001, actually, and uh, I, I, I was kind of, uh, I'd already done some TV. Uh, I, I guess I'm like the Bill W of uh, shoplifting addiction, <laughs> um, but I couldn't get a hold of her. But I actually did have a friend who's an attorney who reached out to uh, found uh, her manager and and put in a good word, but never heard back from her. Um, that's all right. Um, but the, the work I do, um, you know, like I guess with a lot of people, it, it just kind of evolved. And, and I have a personal uh, connection to 
the work I do because I used to have a problem with shoplifting pretty badly. In a nutshell, I started shoplifting around the age of maybe 14, uh, three years after, um, about three years after my mom and dad got divorced. I got arrested my first time shoplifting in um, my senior year of high school. Um, I was really depressed about breaking up with a girlfriend, anxious about graduating and trying to figure out what college I wanted to go to. And, and I lost all interest in art, partly because this girlfriend I was going out with broke up with me and I fell into a real deep depression. So there was one of those moments where I was on track to go. I was in the process of applying to art colleges. Um, and, and then that whole, that whole thing got sidetracked after a breakup and after my getting arrested for shoplifting, I didn't tell anybody even. So I was living a secret life really for a decade. Anyway, I ended up getting into University of Michigan, uh, you know, very good. Well, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Oh, okay. Being on the, you know, this is a show about transition, right? So okay. I'm trying to hone in on that. Right. Okay, you're going to hone in. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Hone in, man. So, so, so was right. there, was, you know, can you, can you walk us through some of the emotions that, you know, here you wanted to do art, you were putting in some yeah, energy yeah. towards the art, and then you, what was it like sort of letting go of that, 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 that process that well, sort of glazed over? Let's just put it to you this way. It was, uh, um, you know, I've always wanted to be really good at something. Um, and I, looking back on it, I wouldn't say I was a great natural artist, but I was one of those artists who could really kind of like I did, you know, like um, still life drawings and and, and graphic uh, designs and things like that. And I was I, I was very meticulous. And I even got like the only A in uh, in in two drawing classes from this like notoriously difficult teacher. You know, it's high school, but nonetheless, and you know, I was like the great white hope for him. He had all this. <laughs> hope in me and then within a year everything shifted and I was skipping school I had no interest in art my grade, grades were dropping so it was a pretty tumultuous time and then on top of it I, I'm afflicted with this really bad case of acne on my face and I'm like I'm feeling like a monster I don't even want to go to school you know I mean so all of a sudden like life was going like I had it by the balls, you know, mm. like, you know, I had this beautiful girlfriend, I'm getting A's in art, I'm starting to apply to art <laughs> colleges, and, yeah. and then like, almost, not overnight, but it was like, wow, and then all of a sudden, like, the, the whole fucking carpet got, you know, pulled out from under me, and um, so it was a dark time, um, I mean, <laughs> I'm I'm amazed I got through it, I don't know that I was actively suicidal, but I, I was like, man, I was out of it, and uh, somehow... Um, my mom did take me to a therapist like about three times and, and like I hated it and I didn't want to talk about anything. I mean, you know, she knew I was depressed and she knew I was skipping school and she thought I was on drugs, but actually I, I was shoplifting. I got a letter in the mail saying I had been accepted to the University of Michigan um, on the eve of my third therapy appointment. And it's kind of remarkable. All of a sudden, because I applied to a variety of colleges, including art schools, but I really wasn't sure I even wanted to go to art school. And, and it, it, it's really dramatic, but it's kind of weird. And when I think about it, that little that little thing that that little good news or something clicked about okay, good. I got into a local college. You know, it's not going to be that expensive. It's going to be in state tuition, and mm -hmm. and now that's that's what I'm going to do. So in in a in one way, I had a lifeline where I had now a little road map. Uh, you know, it's like you take out the map, and all of a sudden you you kind of have a, a road where you know you can go on. So that that little that that changed the arc of like just everything. <laughs> Thanks well, for joining us, Paul. All right, let's uh, let's, let's, yeah, let's Let's get yeah. Let's get some synopsis, kind of the same thing. Let's get some synopsis. Let's touch on some transitions in your life uh, and uh, take it away.
Okay, well, first of all, I'd like to congratulate you on your podcast, and I appreciate being invited to speak on it. I Thank think you. that's a privilege in itself, and I, you know, wish you all well. look forward to uh, many more podcasts on the road. So appreciate my story, <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. My story begins. Uh, I'm, I'm an immigrant family uh, coming from Poland, even though I was born in Germany. My mom was already pregnant in Poland, but I'm going to fast forward through all that and give you more about the transition that I experienced myself. So basically, I grew up in America since I was almost two years old. I grew up in Chicago, and uh, what I share in common with your brother, Terry, is that I'm also a shoplifter uh, from my childhood. And so I started when I was about eight years old. I was trained by my peers. I talk more about it on a YouTube video on the website uh, that I'll talk to you about later. And... Um, I continued stealing until I graduated from college. And at this point, I moved to California. My parents moved me there when I was a senior in high school. Um, and I'll just point on that transition period. The beginning was really hard because I was in my last year of high school, end of junior year, beginning of the summer. And one thing that I told myself is that I'm not going to let myself cry about it all summer. And if I can just make it through not crying all summer, I'll be fine and I'll do well in the senior year of high school and move on and have fun in college. And it actually worked. And then I, you know, uh, Continued that for a while, and I realized that's also unhealthy because repressing, like crying emotions, is okay to cry. But that was one thing that I did to cope with uh, that transition in my life. Um, afterwards, after graduating from college, that's actually when I stopped stealing and I got a, a break from career opportunity working in aerospace. I had a different uh, journey from Terry. I'd never been caught, and I was never arrested. And so that's why I decided to take making amends and punishing myself into my own hands. So the way I did that was actually. I decided to go back to the store and return the money in cash. And uh, wait, wait, every time? So I did it. I did it for one specific store mm. to get it, the ball rolling, and then after that, I got inspired to start a website and a service to do it, and so I could return the money through that channel instead. And what so a that website was, and that website is unsteel.org, and that's the project that I worked together on with Carrie, and that's the website I mentioned, uh, previewed earlier talking about um, where I foreshadowed the first time I stole. There's a video but on, on the Essentially, that, that's how it was birthed, right? Was was you weren't getting caught, and, and yet your conscience was weighing on you. And, and that's right. kind of how it was birthed, right? Okay, well, Powell was much more brief and articulate, so even though I'm twice his age, I've got to really kick it into gear here. <laughs> so, Paul's, um, like, Paul's like the uh, Paul's like yeah, the jet he, ski. He's a jet ski. He's yeah, where he's, he needs to like, when he needs to. Well, I just had, wow. I just had time to think about my answer while Terry was talking. Terry's like a cruise liner, man. We're getting know, the we're right, getting yeah, sun yeah. on the deck here. But yeah, it's great. Right. We, we love it. So, so, you know, so I, it was a new leaf, basically. So it buoyed my spirits just to know that Maybe I can start again here, and I, I took no art classes my whole four years at University of Michigan, um, but I moved away from home, got in the dorm. I'm trying to find my bearings, and by the way, um, at that point, I'd been shoplifting intermittently for um, maybe about three, four years, and I and I was also aware, like, I didn't want to do that anymore either. That was like bad karma. It wasn't really making me feel good, and after that first arrest, you know, forget about it, you know. Um mm-hmm. So anyway, I um I'm plugging away um with all the high hopes in the world of rebooting my I I I got into the study at the university hospital that took care of my acne and uh, you know new leaf new leaf is my whole thing and trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And so then I started to get into this phase 
of um, of being interested in reading and creative writing. So, you know, I went from maybe wanting to be an artist to now getting interested because I had to declare a major, and I ended up majoring in English literature with a minor in French because I liked languages, and I, I really I really wanted to, I don't know, write creatively, whether articles or books. Somewhere along the way, um, just the pressures of everything, I, I started to shoplift again. It was very a little bit at a time. Partly it was money worries, and partly it was academic stress, and partly it was romantic difficulties. It was life, and, and not to mention, you know, my my relationship with our dad. You know, was back and forth, back and forth on many fronts. So it was really it was really difficult. I mean, I was holding it together, but you know, just kind of barely on on all fronts. And 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 the shoplifting. I guess you know, some people you know would go take a drink to you know, take the edge off. I certainly did that on occasion too, but, but somehow shoplifting, you know, it, it, I don't know. It was just like I, it would spontaneously happen. And then I'd start to kind of obsess about it and just want to get something for nothing. If I'd be in a store, I'd, I'd almost always have to take something for free. And, and, and I felt really conflicted because I, I, I really value honesty and I'm, uh, I was otherwise a really honest person, but I had no idea that this was somehow taking over. Um, and, and then I was caught again my senior year and um, just, you know, humiliated. I thought my life is over now. Uh, you know, I was caught shoplifting. The electronic gate went off and I was caught shoplifting a double cassette of Pink Floyd, The Wall. How perfect, how perfect is that? You know, perfect. It's, a, it's a masterpiece on, on, on alienation, you know, and and here I am just feeling totally disconnected again. Wow. Kind of like, that's kind of like that's and, and, the, and the common theme is, like, I'm really, you know, I'm a talkative person, more so now than then, but I was not really talking to anybody about anything that was going on in my head. Okay, I want to flip it back to Paul for a second. Okay. So when you actually went to the store, and here you are, you're returning what you took, you know, what's the reaction? What is the response like? Is it one of uh, anger? Was there one of all is forgiven? You know, talk to us about that, like the first time okay. that you brought something back. Well, to set the scene, this was a large Fortune 500 retailer and a cashier who was maybe 20 years old. So she didn't, I think it's a feeling that she felt a sense of ownership over the store and really cared or felt impacted by shoplifting to begin with. And when I told her that I suppose that I stole before and I'm willing to pay back in cash. She was definitely shocked, surprised. It was more so that people don't do that on that everyday basis. So it was right. probably the first time she's heard of that. And there was definitely confusion. She didn't know what to do with the money, and it took a long time to convince her to actually take it. And hmm. and so did she just pocket the money? I mean, wait, wait. She put the no, money she in put the register. <laughs> okay. She put it in her register, and she was over, and then it's stays there unclaimed for six months and then eventually she was going to get it, I think. And I looked at this in that scenario, I just looked at it as, you know what, I'm repaying the store, I have to repay. However that money gets spent, it's not really up to me. I just feel good about returning the money. And so I was okay with that, knowing that it didn't fully work. And if anything, that motivated me to start Unsteal. So let's talk about this unsteal.org, which you guys uh, have joined forces on. And, you know, talk to me about, I want to hear from both of you, and, and please answer separately. Um, whoever wants to jump in first, that'd be great. But talk to me about what your sort of grandest vision for this thing is. You know, say, like, you know, uh, two, three years from now, like, what, what would you love to see this thing uh, become and, and the effect that, that, that it has on uh, uh, people's lives and, um, 
you know, corporate America. And, and just talk to me about the grand vision, I guess, that, that, that you guys have for it. Whoever wants to jump in first, then okay. the other person go. Powell will. All right. Well, yeah. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for asking about that. I'm really excited to share the news of basically Unsealed. The purpose of Unsealed is to offer recompense for any past petty theft by collecting the money and returning to the victim. And we don't make any profit off of it. And the idea is of, we have like a, a, a lifetime goal of 500 million transactions, and it's not about the amount of money as much as the volume of times that a person felt guilty and wanted to return it. And I'd like for it to be a social norm where people Uh-oh. just think, when people are in stores and let's say teenagers are with friends and one person steals, it's really common in childhood especially, for someone to say, well, you know you got to unsteal that someday, or maybe we'd laugh it off like that, or maybe when oh, yeah. uh, celebrities are doing interviews on The Tonight Show, instead of constantly bragging about stealing crops from the sets they work on, which I keep hearing endlessly, they could just joke about, well, don't worry, I'll unsteal it anyways. And I just want that to be a verb in society where uh, eventually the, the impact of theft is lesser, because right now it's about $32 billion a year. Let's say we even get 1% of that to come back. So that's still going to be $300 million. And if we could annually return that much money to all the stores, I think we'll put it on notice. And eventually, where restaurants have little stickers that say, people love us on Yelp, I'd like stores to have. We participate in unseal stickers. And um, another real exciting, the last thing I'll talk about my vision going forward is, we're teaming up with actually a professor from Duke University who had a Netflix that I saw. I had a documentary on Netflix called The Dishonesty Project. He's a behavioral, hmm. behavioral uh, ec- economist. And so he reviews why people are dishonest. And that ties into, well, why people steal or why would they want to unsteal and return the money. So ideally, we channel through the YouTube videos I mentioned, maybe get our own documentary going, but just using different forms of social media and uh, ways of interacting with the public to basically grow this brand to be a household name, just like Facebook is or Googling something is, a verb that didn't exist before. Back to Terry, career high, biggest career high. We already know what you're going to say, at least to me, me and Powell do, but, but tell <laughs> well, You know, uh, okay, well, I have to put it up there. Um, getting on the Oprah Winfrey show in 2004 uh, and, and talking about shoplifting addiction um, which um, I talked about my own struggles with it and my recovery from it. And, you know, it was about a year after my first book came out. And so that was certainly I – I'd done TV before and TV after. That That is certainly a feather in your cap in a in a lifetime moment. You know, and, and – I, I, want, I want the people to know, though, Terry, it's important yeah, yeah. That, 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 that Oprah didn't take it easy on you. I don't oh, think no, no, you, yeah. you, you could go, you can go and watch my five minute, uh, clip. <laughs> well, actually, where, you know, we're gonna I, link, I we're gonna link that up, actually. Okay, for yeah. The, for the, for oh, the well, listeners. Oprah, Oprah, you know, um, and we're, my wife and I are big Oprah fans, and we were treated pretty well and everything, but, but yeah, she was pretty, um, you know, kind of skeptical about this initially, and, and she, she knows how to, you know, keep it a hundred herself, so, you know, she asked me some tough questions, like, you know, uh, you know, I don't understand why this can be an addiction. I understand why drugs and alcohol are addiction because they're so powerful. There's a genetic component, but you know, stealing, you know, can't you just stop? You know, don't you know right from wrong? And I'm like, no. Um, not, some people maybe, but that's the nature of addiction. And um, 
And you also said some people had entitlement issues, and then her famous line, though, Tara, was if they had entitlement <laughs> issues, why are they taking blue cheese? Why not <laughs> you, a real life You like that line more than I do, although I do like that line. So she was like, why do, why, so if you're entitled, why aren't you taking Rolex watches, which some people definitely do, and some people take them and sell them. But, but really, a lot of people I work with, um, you know, they're, they're taking things that probably they can more or less afford. Um, it, it isn't always usually about the, the object or even the lack of money. It's just it's the rush or it's the emptiness or it's the, the, the lashing out or the cry for help or the temporary relief you get by giving yourself a treat for, for free or whatever. There's a and, and I'm not saying there shouldn't be consequences either. I don't think Powell has ever said that. You know, if you break the law, there's going to be consequences. I'm not saying the behavior is right, but what I am saying is kind of like with drunk driving, if you just punish the drunk driver – Fine, the drunk driver needs some punishment, but but some kind of treatment is probably going to be needed to at least cut in half the the likelihood of the person reoffending and 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 giving them a chance at life again. And I know that if I only looked at my because I tried to stop many times and for a while I was successful, but I always went back to it until I finally got into therapy and and really started to peel back the onion layers and figure out that a lot of stuff was driving my stealing. And it's it's kind of interesting because. Um, well, I've now been in business, uh, you know, for myself for about 13 years, and and um, Oprah was fantastic, and I've written four books. And I'm very proud of all that, and it, it, it's it, sometimes it's like a dream when I think about it now because I've kind of, in the last couple of years after turning 50 or you know right before 50, it's kind of like I talk about transitions. I mean, I'm glad my business is up and running and, and and going, and you know, you and I joke like where I was feeling like you know on and off even recently, <laughs> like you know. I'm really, I'm really grateful for a lot of stuff, but you know, how come I don't have a wait list? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you know, I'm the only, yeah. the only guys doing this work. I've been plotting for, you know, and like, I, and like the ego is an incredible thing. Oh, and, and 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 you know, I, I, I what I was thinking is, I, I'm 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 grateful to have a, a decent life. You know, if I die tomorrow, uh, I don't want to die tomorrow. By the way, God, I don't want to die tomorrow. <laughs> Give me a little more time if you can. But, but like, you know, I've I've done I've done plenty. You know, and if you get it, you, you can always do more. You can get obsessed with that. But I'm looking here at this dog who keeps barking, who I've had for two and a half years, and I'm in love with this dog. And and this dog in the last two and a half years has made me as happy, sometimes maybe more happy than than even being on Oprah. You know. Wow. So, so it, yeah, wow. I mean, it's I mean, it's a different kind of happiness, of course, but, but like, you know, I mean, if you ask me, like, you know, would I rather get on Oprah, you know, again, or, or, or would I rather have my dog? I'd rather have my dog. I really wanted to make a living doing something I loved, and I couldn't quite figure that out. I thought I wanted to be an, uh, an artist. That didn't work out. I thought I wanted to be a creative writer, and, well, I did do some writing eventually, and a teacher. That didn't work. Then I was going to be a lawyer. That didn't work out. And then, so it's kind of funny. In a way, the shoplifting has been kind of like the gift. That hmm. keeps giving because that's the thread for 25 years after being in recovery since 1990, and then starting uh, Kleptomaniacs Anonymous Support and Shoplifters Anonymous Support Group in '92. One little thing has led to another. Now I work with shopping. Now, and there's, a and quote, I, there's a quote that I'd like to share actually yeah, at that please. point because you talk about a lot of transitions, and again, the, the, I, the, this show obviously is geared to this. So yeah. the quote is: Sometimes on the way to a dream, you get lost and find a better one. And it sounds yeah. like it sounds like that's kind of what happened for you, right? You know, yeah, so yeah. And, and, and there might it, be there's probably there may be uh -huh. another chapter beyond this. How do you know when to keep pushing or pursuing 
something and when to let it go and embrace a new path in life. So that's something I'm still learning and comes up pretty often. I'd say in the context of uh, texting a girl that just mm-hmm. gave her phone number at the bar, basically after one or two text messages, you don't hear anything back. You've been ghosted. So don't You've been guess. ghosted. You've been ghosted. Casper and All right. I, I like that. We'll we'll take that. All right. So you had the dating angle. I think people find that useful. And then I want to flip it back to my brother for like maybe more like entrepreneurial pursuits. There. What's well, your what's your way in on that? It's a really good question. Yeah. I think there's a combination of things. I just got first of all, the universe was not like it, it, it was it was not cooperating. You know, in a way, it was not easily things were not lining up. I mean, I got enough nibbles to think like, oh, maybe you know, like I got called into Radio Shack several years ago to talk at their annual loss prevention conference in in um, uh, Dallas, Texas, and I did a two hour presentation to a room full of you know, loss prevention regional managers from across the country about employee theft. And, and it was a great presentation. I got a lot of good feedback. But um, but unfortunately, Radio Shack has gone out of business because of shoplifting and employee theft, basically. Wow. But no. Wow. And, and you, were like, you were like, that's funny. You were like their, their Hail Mary, yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get him in here. They and then give the me clock, a chance. And then I'm the like, clock. I'm downfield. <laughs> I'm open. Throw me the fucking ball. <laughs> you know, uh, no, but, but, no, no. I, I think I think doubt. I think the universe uh, showing up. Um, you know, sometimes the doors keep closing, and you know, sometimes you got to keep plugging through. It's, I don't. I don't know that. And then I, I have to admit, like my, it was more of an a, an idea of passion than feeling a passion. I love working with individual people, and I make a decent living doing that too. Um, I have to admit the the corporate consulting angle. I'm thinking. You know, maybe my ego is more in it. Like I'm thinking, oh, I can make much more money because corporations have deep pockets. Okay, get, so, so okay, get, so I'm hearing you I say motive. I could get paid more, or or I can or I can make this huge impact, like uh, on on companies and society, and you know, and, and I think so, you know. So the yeah. motive. So the, so really, I'm trying to give like listeners the takeaway yeah, yeah. here, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it sounds like motives, right? To to look at your motive. Yeah. For, for yeah, yeah. When you reach a big milestone, uh, oh, yeah. like the Oprah moment there, and then you have to figure out, okay, life after Oprah, right? What uh, can you talk <laughs> talk to the talk to the listeners about? You know, life after such a uh, a pinnacle moment, right? I think that people can relate who are on certain well, paths trying to achieve yeah. something, and then they have the big moment, and it's like, okay, where do I go from here? Okay, well, so, well, yeah. well, well, right. And I, I was fairly fortunate. Um, You've probably heard the saying that there's no such thing as luck. Uh, It's preparedness meets opportunity. Um, And and that's, I largely believe that. I had been doing a lot of work on myself and laying the groundwork and starting support groups and writing the book. But if there were a little luck in there, uh, how I got even to Oprah was that I I happened to uh, meet a colleague uh, who was uh, a therapist in San Francisco. I found her online like Paul found me, and, and I started to connect with her, and I wanted to send her my my book that got my first book from 2003. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of joked with her that, hey, who knows, maybe I'll get on Oprah. And one thing led to another, and she happened to mention that she was college roommates and best buddies still with one of Oprah's senior producers. <laughs> so there was, like, there was my in. So when people listening catch a big break like that you know yeah. you want to be prepared for that yes. break and it sounds like right you yeah. were right uh, it's right uh, yeah yeah I, yeah and and i'm sure there are people who aren't prepared who still wing it and it turns out okay and i'm sure there are people who are 
more prepared than I were was, and, and it doesn't go well. So it's still a mysterious process, but but as a general rule, yeah. I and and also I had to keep working on myself. Really, really, I have I've had to keep working on my recovery because you can be your own worst enemy. I mean, you know, if I if I was out there shoplifting and then getting caught and having it go right online, that that's you know my 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 career is over. Now, Terry, uh, your biggest career low, please. Ah. <sighs> Well, you know, everybody has what we call, well, we hope everybody has at least a relative Oprah moment. Um, and now we've got the counter moment, which actually came before the Oprah moment, which was a, a pretty big low, which was called my Mitch Alba moment. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll just set the stage. This is like March of 2001. I... I for, for those that don't know, by the way, Mitch Album is a pretty successful author, right? I think his biggest book was like, what is it, The Tuesdays with Maury? Was that the one he got famous right. for? So he, right. He's, okay. in the, he's in the Detroit area. You know, he was yeah. writing for Detroit Free Press Sports. I was actually a pretty big yeah, fan sports, of his sports uh, writing, yeah. a mm -hmm. big fan. Of, this was before Oprah, but, be, you know, I was also um, read Tuesdays and more with Maury and really liked that. And so I... I I, I bought my home, my first home here, which I'm still at, in uh, September of 2000. Moved in with my girlfriend, who would then become my fiancée, who would then become my wife. And then um, within three months of moving in, I quit my job at, at the counseling clinic where I was for three years because it was too stressful. I wanted to start my own practice working with people who steal. I was still trying to get my first book written. And I had wrote, written an op-ed in, in March of 2001 to the Detroit Free Press about shoplifting and telling a little bit about my story, and I get this call from Mitch Album's producer of his radio show. He had a, a weekly radio show daily, and I'm all excited. I mean, I had even done a little TV before that, but Mitch was my idol, you know. And like, I'm mm. thinking, and I and I have a rough manuscript all printed out of my book, and I'm I'm even thinking like, you know, I'm going to bring that and give it to him, and you know, maybe he has some connections or really like it. So. Um, well, first of all, I was going to do the interview by phone first, and uh, so my wife tells all the family and everything, and we get all waiting at this time, four o'clock, you know, on a Wednesday afternoon, and uh, and I'm hearing like I'm on hold here, waiting for my time to come, where he's going to ask me about myself, and and I'm listening in the background, and he's just chit chatting with the guest, you know, because I can hear the radio show on on receiver of my phone, and and I'm looking at my watch, and like the. I'm on the phone like for about 45 minutes. He never gets to me and the show is over. And the, the, the producer gets on the phone and says, Oh, you know, I'm so sorry we ran out of time. You know, we were, had this really, uh, good conversation going with our guest and, and it was bullshit in my opinion. I was really pissed off and he goes, but will you be available tomorrow? And I'm like, all right. You know, so we, my wife calls all the family members back, says, sorry, tune in the same time tomorrow. You know, they ran over and, you know, and then I have the bright idea. I'm going to, I call the producer back like 10 seconds later after I get up and I say, Hey, you know, um, would, would Mitch be interested in my actually coming downtown to the studio? I know where you guys, you know, have your studio. And, and he goes, well, yeah, if it's not inconvenient, that'd be great. I said, no, 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 I'd love to meet him. And, you know, so I'm thinking, oh, great, you know, now that's even better. You know, I can hand him my manuscript. I can shake his hand, meet him in person. And by the way, now there's no way they're going to kind of bump me again. I'm going to go down there. I think you can hear the foreshadowing. <laughs> but, so we go down there, my wife and I, and we're waiting in the in the green room again. I'm hearing on the um, little on the speaker in the green room the radio show in the background. Same kind of thing. He's going on and on with the guest about bullshit, and I'm looking at the clock, and and I'm like, what the fuck? And my and my wife 
<laughs> well, she, she wasn't quite my wife then. She was. Doesn't he know I've been on Oprah? No, you weren't. There was the Oprah no, moment no, that happened. Oprah, yeah, right, right. But, but, but she's, my wife is like, let, let, let's leave. You know, she was really getting yeah. upset and feeling like that's that. That's that women's intuition thing, by yeah, the way. Yeah, always. And I'm like, that. and I'm like, I'm like, I'm not going to leave until I give somebody a piece of my mind. This is, re- I'm really upset. And 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 the 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 producer comes in again, and uh, you know, he's, I'm so sorry. And I'm like. What do you mean you're sorry? I mean, this is two days in a row. I mean, I came down here. What what kind of outfit are you running here? I mean, I'm I'm really kind of upset. He goes, oh, well, hang on one moment. Hang on one moment. And I go, I go, and she goes, my wife is like, let's leave. Yeah, like, no, yeah. wait a minute. I want, I want to find uh, out what he wants. And he comes back and he goes, well, even though we're not live right now, I talked to Mitch, and if you're willing, you can come into the studio. We'll record your interview and, and hopefully play it, you know, in the near future. And uh, I look at my wife, and she goes, Let's leave. And I go, I go, hold on a minute. And then I go, God, we're already down here, honey. And she goes, let's leave. <laughs> it was like a mantra, let's leave. And I'm like, and I like, I, I said, look, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to just swallow my pride and I'm going to, because I believe in the cause here and, you know, I want to get this word out and I want to still meet him and I'll put on a happy face. I'll do what I have. To, let's leave. And I, I go in. She could not hear the interview in the green room because it wasn't live coming through the speaker. I'm in there for about 15 minutes with Mitch and his two, kind of colleagues who who helped him run the show, you know, uh, his uh, right hand and left hand, they were actually very respectful and I think fairly genuinely interested in what I had to say. Mitch treated me like I was a joke. Mm. Uh, he was making jokes. He was skeptical. He was inadvertently putting me down. And I mean, I as I'm getting through, I'm like, I'm crushed. Even after being humiliated in this interview, I still went up to shake his hand, thank you for the opportunity, not knowing even what I said, I was in a haze. Um, and, and he literally, like, he turned his swivel chair around. All the wind went right out of my sails uh, because of that experience. I was so depressed and shaken by it. And it felt like such a fool that I got a bad case of writer's block. I couldn't write one word again wow. of, uh, you know, any anything from my book. Um, I was humiliated. I started having panic attacks. Like, just Man. I was very lost and had no... No direction anymore. I just uh, the wind was totally. I'm sorry for the experience, but this is perfect for the hustle sanctuary here. Yeah. There, this is like a great moment here. Right. So, so what? So what will you tell? You know, what did you learn from having gone through that? What would you have done differently on the other side of it that people can uh, can maybe take well, away? Well, you know, I mean, here's the thing. It, fortunately, it all worked out well because although it was humiliating, I hung in there. I learned a lot, but. But, you know, I mean, if I went through that again, and hopefully I won't have to, you know, um, first of all, trust, trust your wife for the most part, and, <laughs> and, and don't, don't, yeah. don't, gro- don't grovel, have some self-respect, you know, even if you have an idol, if you're being treated, you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm a realist. At that point, I, I didn't have that kind of wisdom or experience, but, 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 you know, I don't care who it is now. I don't, if somebody's not treating me well, I'm forget it. I'm not going to grovel. I'm not going to beg them. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to engage. We do lightning round here. We got two more to go. Uh, Paul's on deck. Paul, uh, can you tell us about a block that was there for you five years ago that is no longer there today? A mental Certainly, block. Yeah. One that comes to mind was just, I'd say, the shame and. Um, reluctance to admit my stealing uh, background. Five years That's ago, I wasn't open. And, mm-hmm. and since then, I've 
been able to tell my family members about it, my friends, and uh, publicly post it on Facebook, on the website, make YouTube videos about it. But what I'm most impressed with was, uh, since I was never caught, I turned myself into the city uh, prosecutor. That's huge. It must, it, must feel, it must feel it, very liberating, right, Paul? Absolutely. And I think a final moment of just how uh, awesome just to have that weight off my uh, conscience was a job interview at a financial institution where I'd be dealing oh, yeah. with money. And I told them exactly everything about my history and how it's been um, many years since I stole anything. And now I, you know, I have this website and, and it's a charity. And uh, I was, you know, still offered a job working with money despite that. And that just makes me feel really empowered that when you own up to your biggest flaw or your biggest mistake and you're hard on it, hard on yourself for it, no one else is going to judge you anymore because they see that what you're doing to yourself is anguish enough. Terry, okay, so real brief, uh, a block, a mental block that was there for you five years ago that's no longer there today. Well, <laughs> I don't know that I've conquered any block completely where it's not there at all, but I would say a big one has been um, really um, just about, like, Worthiness, um, you know, just feeling. What is it? On, what is it? Worthiness. On, on wor worthiness. I mean, and and this is still something ongoing. But um, as, as I was talking about earlier, like I, I felt like I, I felt like I've always had to do something great to feel validated, or to feel lovable, or to feel successful. And frankly, that's still in there. And I work with that. I mean, certainly it's easier to say now, now that I've had a modicum of of success. Um, but 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 I but I'm watching that. You know what? What? What is really? You know, if if I hadn't done any of that, if I never got my book out, if I'd never been on Oprah, if I never even started a business, you know, I don't know what my life would be like. I'd like to think that I'd be doing something worthwhile, maybe in a totally different field. I don't know. It's speculation. I don't know if I'd be as happy as I think I am now. Maybe I'd be happier. But all I'm saying is, I have a block around. I've I've had a block around feeling like I have to prove myself. I have to be the most intelligent person, the most unique, the most original person, and that still runs deep. And now I'm learning as part of my ongoing recovery that, you know, I just need to, you know, just relax and just be me. And if things are flowing better, they're flowing better. I mean, obviously I've got to pay the bills, but I mean, but I'm so enough, there, you know, there, really, enough. yeah, to surmise it. The blocks okay, that was there. So, <laughs> Land the plane, Terry. Land the plane. <laughs> finally got you to say it. That's what I was waiting for. Yeah. Okay, here's a block. Okay, all right. Here's a block that's that's largely gone. Is that um, I don't have to be perfect. Um, I I'm lovable with my warts and wounds. I'm abundant enough. I I don't need to have necessarily this or that to to feel successful. Or to, you know, I'm learning how to live in my own skin a lot more and be grateful for things um, and, and just that I don't have, you know, I love to hustle. I still love to hustle. And there's a point at which, you know. It sounds like you're doing it. You're, you're hustling from a more fulfilled place is what Thank I'm you. hearing. That, that's right? why you're here, yeah. my young brother, to help me, to help me break it down. Well, yeah, okay, beautiful. Right. yeah, it's a more, yeah. it's a more gentle hustle. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's more of a flow, a flow and hustle. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I mean, I'm still hustling, but, but it, it, it doesn't feel quite as like, 
um, desperate. Um, it feels more in the flow, and I'm, I'm, I'm accepting the good things that are coming to me, and when things aren't coming exactly how I want, I'm, I'm rolling with those a lot better. So I don't know how you sum all that up, but the, there were a lot of blockages that where I was being my own worst enemy, either being desperate, being too sensitive to, to things when they didn't go my way and getting all crabby about it, um, and, and, and trying, trying really to prove myself that I, I'm a worthy person because I've achieved this. I've achieved that. And, and do you feel, do you feel like a lot of people out there could be on a path to pursuing something for, uh, you know, for, for vanity or, or for, you know, lack <laughs> of self-worth? I mean, yeah, you know. probably, probably the majority. I mean, I, I, I imagine, and, and, and even for people with, you know, it's, it's a complicated formula. There's probably a lot of that. In most of us, even when we are pursuing a passion or something we really have a full heart about, you know that that other stuff is hard not to be in the mix. But um, but I do think a lot of people, you know, it's like I got you know you almost went to law school because of the pressures of certain family members, and and I went to law school initially because I wanted to please my dad, and 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 I'm work, I work with clients all the time, you know, who have all kinds of pressures, like you know I'm working with a, a young um, Korean woman who's just brilliant, but her family has wanted her to be a doctor, and she doesn't want to be a doctor, and she's had a horrible problem with shoplifting, and, and her family can't get it through their thick skull that they are killing this young lady because they have these, and then, of course, she's shoplifting, getting caught. Now she feels even worse about herself. Her family is even more critical about her. It's a vicious cycle, and I'm trying to work with the whole family and get them to step back and say, something's got to shift here. You know, we have all these pressures we put on each other, and it's just killing everybody. Paul, please tell everybody a favorite quote of yours, and why that's your <laughs> favorite quote. I'd say easily my favorite quote is from Aristotle. You are what you repeatedly do. Because the power behind that quote is no matter what you are now, if you repeatedly do something different, you could become anyone you want to be. That's a great uh, ending point there, I think. Yeah. Sir. But we'll, we'll land it on there. And uh, yeah. I want to thank you both for your honesty and uh, showing up on this uh, podcast, man, with, uh, with your wisdom, your wounds, and your insight, and uh, the whole package. Thank you for bringing it, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you so and, much uh, for inviting us. And yeah. I, once again, it's awesome that you're, you know, going, putting yourself out there and continuing to redefine what you do, including making a yeah. podcast now. Yeah, that's what this is about, transitions, a, right, guys? A, gr a great pivot. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you're taking, you're taking, you know, some of, you know, what's going on in your life and you're, you're, you're morphing it into something that you're finding a new passion about. And I think that is really a great thing and that I think other people are enjoying and going to enjoy immensely. So, uh, awesome, bro. Thank you very much, guys. Tell everybody your socials, too. Uh, uh, Powell, what's, uh, are you on Instagram or Twitter? Um, so there's definitely a, there's a Twitter page for Unsteal, and that's... Uh, we're we're going to link it up afterwards, but you could say it. Okay, so it's at Unsteal underscore charity and Facebook.com slash Unsteal, and then, of okay. course, Unsteal.org. Okay, great. And and Terry, do you have a uh, personal Twitter, or do you have like a link to uh, Casa that you you want to share with people? Well, yeah. Uh, if you go to our website, um, basically the the it's the shulmancenter dot com, and it's spelled the same way as your gracious host here, uh, the shulmancenter dot com or kleptomaniacsanonymous dot com. And I I do have a shulmancenter uh, Facebook page and. 
I don't use Twitter a lot, um, but uh, I do have a at Terrence Schulman um, at Twitter. You know, Twitter account. No Instagram, no Twitter. Twitter? Well, I have I have the app loaded on my phone, but I haven't really done anything with it okay. yet. All right. So you haven't you haven't fully. I don't exist. I don't really exist yet. Yeah. Look I, out! I, I look! Like, Look out, everybody! Look out for Terry on Instagram in 2019. Yeah, okay, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> hey, hey, my wife just downloaded Pokemon Go the other day, you know, so uh, we're, we're we're getting there. <laughs> you guys balance each other out. That's great. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Thanks so much, guys. Have a have a wonderful evening, and uh, everybody tune back in for the next episode.